Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about soil sampling as a multi-tool. In our spotlight, we're going to look at Bear's launch of the new Power Roundup PowerMax 3. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about Public Law 480. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with some You Applied What. With me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. Bill Schaumburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, it's been a bit chilly lately. and it's cold. I mean, when I say chilly, I mean, like, I don't think it got above 40 on Monday, which is not quite what I expected this time of year. But Cameron Moreland said last night, this is November weather. He put up that line oh, of bummer. normal, and then we were like 10 degrees below normal. So, yes. That sounds like it's, it's outside of his three-degree guarantee. I, he he didn't. He said he did get yesterday's guarantee. So. Oh, yeah. But it was great when they went to him first because he's doing it from his house. There was a lightning strike Can in I... Howard Swam. Well, it went to him, and it was just nothing. And then later on, he's like, yeah, there was a lightning strike in Howard Swamico where he lives. And so he couldn't be patched in or yeah, whatever. It was so, on the Channel 26 news van with the antenna up in the air. Yeah, outside that that with the lightning strike. <laughs> what, what I think is awesome is like, is the weatherman when the lightning strikes then when you're going to do the weather? Is that telling you something? Like, holy man, the, the, the weather is talking to him or something. I don't know. Mother nature angry. And then we got another like inch and a half of rain after that last night. So Yeah, what did we end up getting? Anybody see it's, some totals? I had 4.3. Oh, well, I know by you, Bill, there was a lot more rain yeah. through, through that area. It got up to like five inches in a certain bands by between like Morrison, Wayside. Those yeah, I didn't get yep, areas. not quite that much, but. A lot. Yeah, also known as the Twin Cities, Morrison and Wayside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got way more park right in between. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right. So did Cameron say, like, we'll have May weather in April? I He he did not say any other no, stuff. Like a like, month ahead? I have heard that November is going to be supposed to be, like, a warmer. Nice. So, but that was not a... Very good source. So it was just more people like, oh, it's cold now, so it must be going to be warm then. It's going to warm up eventually, right? Yeah. Right? Right, it'll get warmer. I had a uh, uh, yesterday we were watching the news and I they were talking about the the storms and all that stuff. But the important thing was they had the wrong camera on, and the news anchor was wearing a dress shirt, tie, nice jacket, jeans, and sneakers. Yes, really, so, yeah. And you could tell that they per- turned on the wrong camera because he was looking to like the wrong way, the wrong way. Yep. So then you got the full the full body of the of the uh, with the je- jeans and all. So I was. Tough, tough look, but you know. Well, wasn't it Good Morning America or one of those where the guy was on and it was boxers or maybe it weren't boxers, but they were shorts and you could kind of really obviously see it. He was zooming in. Well, yeah, they were, it should have been more zoomed in and the guy's like just sitting there talking and somebody called him out like, hey, nice. um, you wearing shorts, dude? You might want to pan that camera up a little bit. Not as bad as the, the CNN guy who uh, got suspended, but. Yeah, no, that's. <laughs> He's having a little oh, too yeah, much fun. From, from the calls, New Yorker. Man. Yeah. Zoom call. uh, tough look. Tough look for the boys. <laughs> right. That's not a good... In uh, his defense, that he, he thought it was muted. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so time. much better, buddy. And, and just muted. Not by... I didn't think my camera was on. I thought it was muted. Yummy. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's do this thing. <laughs> 
So soil sampling is a multi-tool. Max, this was your topic for the week, so what do you got for us? Well, I've been uh, spending a lot of time doing said soil sampling, and so I've been thinking and uh, and and kind of paying attention, and I realized that uh, we cover a lot of acres uh, pretty pretty closely. I mean, you're riding, riding that grid up and down the field over and over again. You get a pretty good idea of uh, some of the things that are going on out there, um, more than just your results from your soil samples, you know, more than just your P and K levels, you, you get a lot of other stuff. So on the nutrient side, you can also, we can also test for micronutrients. We've talked about that and soil health. We've talked about that quite a bit. Um, but, uh, when you're out soil sampling, that's a pretty good time to, to, uh, test compaction. Uh, soil probe isn't a, a pentrometer necessarily, but I don't know about you guys, but I can usually tell when there's uh compaction, when I get out there soil sampling. Yeah, you can feel how how tight the ground is sometimes when you're you're out there trying to pull. Especially this year, there's it because, like you say, Max, it'll show you shallower compaction most of the time, and then sometimes I'll grab my my other compaction probe to go deeper just to see. Um, but it does show the tightness of the soil because this year you can just tell if like, man, this is, soil is just really tight and needs some work. Um, whether it be tillage, which sometimes it's not just a total compaction layer. Sometimes it might be out of balance with a nutrient or something like that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a good time to, to basically be there and kind of sensing other things besides just what you see the crop showing you. I know early, early season when we were sampling some of that silage ground that was going to have wheat planted on it after, um, we made the observation, hey, you're you're probably not going to be able to no-till this because we can't get a soil probe in the ground. The chances of that drill drill making good depth is probably probably pretty slim. So we gotta we gotta change up the plan a little bit. So that way, um, it's nice. Uh, the next one I have on here is tillage efficacy. So you can see how good of a job we're doing when we're doing tillage. Are we getting that full shatter? Are we turning things over? Um, Maybe even, you know, we haven't worked it after the crop. Did we have, can we see problems from our tillage all the way back this spring? Um, I've been, uh, I've been lucky enough to not have a lot of worked ground to do this fall. Um, I did one, one field that was uh moldboard plowed this week. That was good. It was good. They real nice job. So, you know, good job. It wasn't, wasn't ideal for sampling, but at least they did a good job with it. Um, but a lot of years we get a lot of uh, chisel plowed stuff to check out and see how that's uh, how that's worked up, and you can definitely tell the years where it's you know worked wet or worked frozen, um, and maybe that's a that's a mental note to make for this the coming spring that hey we're gonna have some we're gonna have some chunks out here that we're gonna have to deal with. Um, then uh, manure manure management. So um, we you know you're just you're just out there. So if they're applying manure on the field next door and you, you can tell like, Hey, it's, it's too heavy. It's too light. We're not getting the corners, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's just another thing to like pay attention to see, see where we can make it better. See, you know, where we have to make up for a loss here, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, restriction and boundary issues. I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but at times farms will combine fields or move fence lines, yeah. or rip trees out, and not not so much like, hey, we took a forty and made it an eighty, but we took a forty-two acre field and we took out this fence line here, and we we took out this little patch of rocks here, and now it's forty-four and a half acres. But that changes the map. Yeah, yeah, and well, I think these two kind of go together: your manure management and your restrictions as you're out there watching. 
um, you know, you can kind of have an idea of, ooh, I think that's a restriction they're, they're hauling near. Hopefully they, they're following what they need to follow. And like you said, when you change boundaries like that, sometimes it guys just keep driving. And The good thing, too, guys, is at least lately in the last, I'd say, six months, DNR has really pushed our staff when we do restriction maps to to push on like infield ground truth thing is really yeah, important. infield you know conduits to groundwater you know you you do the restriction map you look at it in the computer and you go okay that we think we're right and then you go out to the field and you're like oh there's a gully there like and we found it because we were either scouting or soil sampling so i think this good one max too on the restriction maps is to pay attention to those those um water features or gullies or erosion that you might see in the field that you can add to the restriction map and maybe you you thought it was in the in the desktop or in the computer and you get out to the field and you're like this is there's nothing this here looks way different yeah that does shouldn't be there you know so you can go both ways on that but just seems as though at least for me in the last six months dnr's put a really big emphasis on restriction maps and the accuracy of them and so I think that that's where being in the field and it's harder at scouting because you have the crop in the way, you know, it's a right away. It's okay when the crop is just emerging, but you get to June and July, you aren't going to see what you can see once it's harvested. Right. And so another, a big one that I've seen this fall is uh, the, the French drain been a lot of those kind of yeah. just popping up here and there. And those are definitely things that we need to be aware of that they're out there. I mean, right. and they get, they get harder to see, you know, when they're when they're new and fresh and all that clear stone's on top, you're like, bam, it's right there. Well, in three, four years, that clear stone starts to melt away a little bit. You know, it can get hard. So, um, you know, when you're out there soil sampling, it's a good time to to pay attention to those things and mark them down. Um, we do get we do sample some hay, and I guess my my big uh, my big takeaway from that is if it looks rough now, the chances of it looking better in the spring are slim to none yeah so <laughs> hay fields don't usually improve over winter. yeah no. not no, not a, wisconsin winters <laughs> no and that goes to any like when we're scouting hay in the fall here and just trying to look look ahead to next year we're doing kind of plant counts looking at it and from the road it's been deceiving i think every fall it can be but this fall especially there's dandelion or even now when we got grass hay mixtures is from the road they look beautiful yeah and then you get in them and you're like this is all oh, grass God. Yep. And you start to go, okay, this one maybe isn't as good as we thought or or didn't do as well. And um, so I agree with you, Max. This is a great time of year to be looking at alfalfa health and can it make it to next spring. And most of the time you can know now whether it's good enough, well, whether it meets the line to keep or not for next year. And, yeah, it might get worse over the winter and probably will. So you kind of take that into account. Well, like I said before, when we scout hay, we're not walking a zigzag up and down the field on a five-acre grid. You know what I mean? You're not walking fence line to fence line down and back a bunch of times. Like, you just don't. You, that would you would We would never get done scouting if we had to walk every field that way. So um, this is a really good way to, to see that, you know, quickly. You're moving. So, um, And then uh, another now this week that's a lot of grain corn has come off now or high moisture and even even the beans uh the standability issues you get out there and there's this big wad of corn that's all laying on the ground or you know you're noticing man there's a lot of full stalks here that didn't get picked up by the combine um 
definitely mark that down as hey this this is something to look at and maybe maybe it is just the weather or whatever raccoons but, raccoons but there's also a chance that hey there's a standability issue and that should that should be you should already kind of know that you know I, you've been scouting it all year you you should know if there was a standability issue but sometimes it's when you're soil sampling you get to see the full percentage of the field that really had the problem um that can be hard when you're walking and it's just, okay, there's a stock here and there's a stock here and there's a stock here. When you can see the whole field at once, um, you can kind of really see the, the issue. Um, uh, kind of going along that same vein is the combine efficiency. We were in some fields, uh, not yesterday, but the day before that, you know, they combined 400 acres and there was a lot of bushels left on the ground. Um, the combine just wasn't quite set up right. And it, you know, you're you're sending yield out the back of the combine. We don't ever want to do that. So, um, if we can pay attention to that, a we know, um, hey, we got to adjust the combine going forward. And b, make a little mental note next next summer when we plant beans in here. I know there's a lot of corn on the ground. The chances of there being volunteer corn pretty high. So let's make sure we're thinking about that going into scouting next year. At least the birds will have something to eat this fall. The birds and the deer Tur- will have a great the turkeys. Winter. The turkeys. turkeys yeah. Yeah. If you see turkeys out there. This winter, you know what happened. Yep. Yep. Um, and then another another kind of big thing to watch out for, I guess, is uh, Todd so eloquently put it, big rocks. I think Todd, Todd, you a said bi- that. Bill, that's, bill, 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 exactly. bill, bill, big, big, big A rocks. <laughs> yep. Big A rocks. So I'm sure the farmer found them with the combine or the planter because a lot of times you see them, they'll stop with the planter, pick up, you know, and you, the corn actually stops, but... You know, sometimes you just get going and you forget about things as a farmer and you got lots of stuff to do. And just a reminder that, hey, maybe you better get the skid steer out and pick that, you know, I don't know, big, big, big rock, big rock up, big rock, you know, big rock. And then the uh, tile blowout, um, those are pretty, find those, you know, relatively common, I guess. Um you're driving and all of a sudden the field just kind of drops away from you for a second and then it picks back up, you know, Hey, we, there's probably a tile line under here. That's got some issues. So I want to mark that and make sure that that gets taken care of. So a, we're not creating a direct, direct conduit to groundwater and yep. B, uh, hay buying in a tile line blow, not, not ideal situation. So when I could see that one coming quick, because let's say you as the owner, plant the corn and then you don't see it ever again. I've got a couple guys that they plant it, someone else sprays, someone else fertilize, and then they're in the packing tractor when it's harvest time. So they don't see the field again. So if you get a tile blowout throughout the summer, they're not going to see it again, potentially until the next next spring. Yeah. So if something we can find out there to help them get that fixed before winter, like you said, Max, even the conduit that it could make to groundwater could be a problem that bodes well into our neck my next comment on this bill is we look at soil sampling as our kind of multi-tool and farmers should think of what is their multi-tool and how can they maximize the trips to the field so you know like you said so maybe the farmer only goes over it for combining or tillage or planting and make sure they're in there and they're aware of kind of getting to know their fields and watching it i know a lot of farmers, you watch them in the barn, and they're extremely aware, and they know, you know, which cow does this or which, you know, that one. They can just sense things about their cattle and know it. And with fields, we want to be doing the same thing um, and know that 
you know, you're in the barn every day, twice a day, multiple times a day, um, where these fields, a lot of time, you know, you're only covering that certain acre once or twice a year. So it's just, like I said, being aware, um, watching stuff. And then probably the most important is somehow documenting it. Like you said, with rocks, do you got a system where you can well, the mark good, it on a GPS or a Google map or something? The good that, news is today, have the guy carrying a flag so he can mark it. To, yeah. yeah. Or like today with climate and everything in these John Deere tractors, Yep, you know, to be able to mark those things is probably easier than it yeah, used to Yeah, finding a way on your smartphone or monitor yep. to mark it. Um, even if it's simple as a note, I mean, is is good or just screen screenshot of your GPS location. Yeah. Pictures I like yeah. a lot too of just certain things like oh I'm gonna remember that. And I've done that multiple times where going my scouting software, take a picture, email the note which is geo referenced right to the farmer and say hey I found this, just want to make sure you know about it, and they know right where to go. So that's that works pretty good, and it does amaze me as much as especially fields over time will change and there's times where you're in that field say from five years ago and you know five years pass and you're i mean you're in it throughout that time so you, you know and you can see it certain things change but every time you're in it you want to watch for a, a new issue that you maybe didn't oh i got a velvet leaf problem now in this field or oh there's a water hemp i've never seen a water hemp here at all before we better start watching that field so that that I think for farmers to think of you know what what is your your pass through the field that you're maybe a little bit more patient and aware and can be watching for things. Yeah, so like you've pointed out, Max sampling provides us an opportunity to be up close and personal with the field in a relatively short amount of time. You know, we scout it during the year, get it back in there at soil sampling. We see see the different things um, going on in those fields, and and for us. It, does give us an opportunity, you know, start to finish to kind of look at things. You know, we we're out there after the planter, as the corn's growing, and now um, every couple of years out there, for sure afterwards. So, <clears throat> gives us a chance to, you know, answer those questions that we're we're bound to get from the farms of, you know, well, why did this part of the field not do so well? Well, you got a tile blow out there, so that's probably not helping anything, or. I, I did find probably the craziest thing in a field I've ever found this week. You guys want to want to hear it? <laughs> found, was it a retirement balloon? Because I found one of those. It was Ooh. not. It was not a retirement balloon. <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was a quarry. So uh, oh. there's quarry now. So we're just oh, kind of get to get to a field. It used to and be a field, and now it's a quarry. It, part of it, you know, we still got part of the field, but yeah. you know, it's a quarry. You know, just kind of driving and you know. Yeah, Todd and I have had some experience with that. Yep, it's a beautiful quarry. Just the you most did, beautifulest. You didn't drive in, did you? you I, kind of no, <laughs> did not drive in. I knew I was getting close to a quarry though, because man, was that rocky. That took some. Sure, that took. You could, that was that was tough. <laughs> I got to be some tough sampling around there, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, that was a bit. That was that was quite the surprise. There was one across the road. I think they just kind of expanded to the other side of the road, but this spring it wasn't there. This fall it is. So that was pretty big. Happens. So besides soil sampling, what what's our favorite multi tools? Todd, what do you got? Uh, yeah, we're going what Leatherman, Gerber, Swiss Army, Swiss Army knives. I mean, that does that count? Sure. Okay, I go Leatherman though. I, I yeah, pretty pretty there, solid yeah, Leatherman. There guy. was this awesome tool we used to we used to use, uh, and it was called a shark, and okay. it was like a pliers, a knife, a wire stripper. Uh, Ooh, wire stripper. It knife. was it was actually like a total piece of junk, but we had <laughs> a lot of them. Um, the guy I worked for bought like. 
250 of them or something in like this giant box and he's like if you ruin them i guess you get another one like you know it was one of those deals and i actually kind of liked them they're kind of neat little tools so the shark nice my favorite one is my grandpa's jackknife. He used that for everything and anything. It was like this nastiest tool ever because it was probably in his pocket for 60 years. But definitely hey. ate an apple that he peeled. Oh, yeah. Using oh, that yeah. knife. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and then just. Call Robbie, and then just whatever. And then he's cutting the afterbirth of a cow right, <laughs> right after that. You're like, oh, that's not going to get washed. No, it's like cleaning the fish with it. You I, know, just. You know wipe, wipe it off with a dirty handkerchief. Like that's, oh, totally. Like cough. Cough in the handkerchief, then use said no, handkerchief. No, blow to, his nose. And that, then, yeah. that, that too. And then <laughs> use said handkerchief to... It wasn't a multi-tool because it had multiple things on the tool. He just used it for like multiple nasty things. Yeah, I, I've got a Leatherman that I carry with me all the time. I really like it, but Gerber, Gerbers are nice too. I like the ones where they lock the tool. Oh, yeah, they make that where the, you yeah. can't open the stuff. Kinda. So it's not... You know, you're not trying to cut something, and all of a sudden the knife bends and like <laughs> cuts you, and then you get mad. That that is the preferred way. The preferred way to don't not need a, don't need a hospital trip trying to use right. a multi tool. And then uh, my last little my last little positive here about soil sampling: who doesn't love a little time in nature? Oh yeah, ride oh. riding the plastic beast. What's your what's our animal count this year? What have we all seen? I Lots saw, of turkeys. I got a fox. Deer. One billion sandhill cranes. One billion. Yeah. Lots of geese. A lot of geese. I and did. Uh, yeah, I saw a field full of geese the other day. The, the other day there was a uh, there uh, we were in a um, combine cornfield and there was a vole laying on the top with its brains eaten out. Don't Oof. just laying on top like. And I did not see the whatever dropped it there, but I was like, all right, sweet. And it happened to be like right on a soil sample point. It was kind of weird how that worked. Yummy. So. Yeah, I had a, not this year. Last year I had a rabid. I, it had to have been rabid raccoon. Mm-hmm. It was just Coons are the yeah. Worst. It was just like now a little daytime coon action. It, yeah, it was not healthy. Let's put it that way. Having a bad day. Yeah, I kind of stayed away. No angry dogs. No angry neighbors this year. I I did have a dog chase me through a field the other day. It it seemed to like to race with the four wheeler. Oh yeah. So I'm guessing the the owner probably. Runs a four wheeler with the dog, and we had a we had a guy come out yelling at us uh, Wednesday. Uh, oh, and he got got it closer to us. Oh, thought you were my neighbor. He always sneaks on my land and shoots my big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, "Soil sampling? Uh huh. All right, sounds good." And just back to get back the way he came. I was like, "All right, don't don't ask to hunt in this neighborhood because the answer is no." <laughs> I had a lady walk by with two dogs as I was loading up. You know, at the end, like end of a field, and like the one dog was quite large and literally like pulled her down. She didn't let go, which was cool. And then like, but she couldn't get the dog to like, not Settle go down. towards. Yeah. You. Like to not be like right there. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll pack up quick. I'll pack up quick. And then, yeah, she kind of like dragged it somewhat, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh dogs can be nasty sometimes. I, that one looked more just curious, but. I was right on the side of the highway a couple of weeks ago, and there was like I like turned my back to like pull a core, and I just hear like a squ- screeching sound. And I turned around, and there's a truck and a camper upside down, and another car. Yeah. We had a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty nasty accident um, a couple of weeks ago. So that was and Max. You said you were the first one out there. Yeah, sure. I, well, I, I mean, I was definitely the close. I was only <laughs> I was only a hundred yards off the road or something <laughs> like that. You know, I was pretty close, but yeah, that was um. That was pretty a lot of excitement for a day of soil sampling, that's for sure. 
Especially when the person that you come up to was bloody in the face. Yeah, yep, you, yep. Having a bad, having not just yeah, got. It's just, not a great day. Great just had day. some wisdom teeth removed. Yep. So, and then Matt, yeah, that's so, the best part of the story. Oh, is Max no. is yeah. like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And he's like, "Uh, no, you're not. I don't think you are." You don't look then, fine. Then the other person, she just had her wisdom teeth out. Which, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, it was. That's it. Yeah. Definitely, it looked a lot worse than it was. But no, everybody was pretty much okay. I mean, no, well, shaken up. It's not a not a great day usually, but you know, no, car accidents aren't fun. No. But yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for soil sampling. Now let's move into our spotlight for today. So today we're going to talk about. Bear's launch of the new Roundup PowerMax 3 herbicide. And There's three ways to do things. The right way, the wrong way, and the max power way. Isn't that the wrong way? Yeah, but faster. <laughs> so, so, thanks, Homer. So Homer, thanks, Homer likes PowerMax. Uh, there was an episode where Homer changed his name to Max Power. Max so. power. Which is basically the same thing. Was that, pro- that was probably pre- Roundup Power Max even existing? Probably, that old, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's definitely the old Homer, old, old, old Homer voice. Yeah, the best one. I mean, they're all good. Simpsons are just good. So, so yeah, Bayer launching new Roundup Power Max three herbicide, new formulation with a adjuvant package to make it more, or uh, sorry, surfactant blend. To make it more uh, easily absorbed and provides growers with more consistent control over weeds by allowing translocation through the plant, including the root system. So, does it asterisk like water hemp at all? Uh, it does not asterisk water hemp, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, even the new Power, Power Max 3. is not going to be that effective on water hemp. Yeah, and what, what is interesting is it's a it's a higher dose blend. So, right, Bill, what did you more. come up with of how much more round glyphosate it is and the use rates will be slightly lower? It was 0.3 pounds active ingredient more. More. So, and it looked like, you know, and say Power Max, you're at, or Power Max 2, I should say, now we're at like 28 ounces is kind of yeah, labeled. 22, I think, is labeled. Or you're right, it's 22. So, I think this one had between like, it said, we, in the label, it said weeds. Under six inches, ten to twenty ounces weeds. Over six inches, twenty to thirty ounces. Spray your weeds under six inches. Yeah. Yes. And as much but as possible. I thought that don't was don't one, one foot is not six inches. I, I would do it. <laughs> don't even I would give, show you my hands, but don't even it. don't even give the second option. Just under six inches. Just that's that's what it's got to be. But we can still kill them, Max. Just got to give it max power. But can, <laughs> but can we? Can we really, Bill? We can try. Yeah. We can do our damnedest. Yep. So just uh, another rate to remember now. Yep. So keep your eye out. If Make sure. Yeah. Another reason to make sure you know what you're using. No, now we're getting more. There's almost three different Roundup blends yeah. now, really. Original generic. two and three. So the generics, yeah, you might be at 32 to, Yep. Um, I think max on those is like 48 ounce. Right. Maybe even a little more. And this one, it says max per application is 40. 40. So like, I mean, just watching... Like Talk. you say, which which roundup are you using is even more important to know Talk now. Talk to your supplier yeah. when, you, so when you buy it. So it's not just like, it. oh, I need a quarter roundup. 
I'm good. And it's like, eh, which one? Quarter this, this one, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. You know? yeah. The, 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 the one question I heard is like, is that a real court or like the new court? You know, because <laughs> from the original to Parmax yep. 2, you, you still say a court, but it's not actually it's a It's the 22 court. ounce of it's court. A, it's, right. Yeah, a short court. Short, short, short court. Short court. Is that it? All right. So there, keep your eye out for Power Max 3. Now we'll go into our egg history minute. Love the banjo. All right. Today we're going to talk about Public Law 480. So the United States has a long history of providing emergency food assistance to foreign countries following natural disasters and wartime famine. In 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower laid the foundation for a permanent U.S. food assistance program by signing Public Law 480 into law. The law, still in effect, in effect today, allows the government to send American farm surpluses abroad to help countries facing food shortages. President Eisenhower said, Food can be a powerful instrument for all the free world in building a durable peace. So there you go. People get pretty crappy when they don't have food. I could see yep. how that's 100% correct. Hangry. Just Hangry. Have to, Hangry. My wife and daughter are both in that club if they get... <laughs> hungry, they get angry, and that, that hangry feeling is not a great feeling. Do you give them a Snickers? Give them something as fast <laughs> as possible. Here, just take it. Just eat this, please. Thanks to all the listeners out there. We appreciate you listening and tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, go to naicc.org to find a crop consultant in your area. And please subscribe to the podcast. Um, and then the other thing we ask is just tell a farmer friend about podcasting. So just... Show him what a podcast player is on his phone and show him, hey, these are cool. There's other ones like Joe Rogan or other podcasts they can tune into and also to TTR. So thanks to listen. Thanks for listening. Matt, where can they find us? Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Let's do some cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right, this week's cool beans. We've got gas. <laughs> uh, I mean, biogas. So this year, the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture awarded a ten million dollar grant to Sea Change, a partnership of organizations working to address challenges and develop new methods of turning biogas and manure into fuel. Sea Change is the Consortium for Cultivating Human and Natural Regenerative Enterprise. So included in this consortium are Iowa State University, Penn State University, Rosslyn Alternative Energy, and many others. So looking to improve our biogas production. Now, Bill, you've... Had a little, have gas. little bit of, <laughs> yeah. well, a little bit of gas. Uh, one uh, of the, a lot of gas. One of the larger clients you work with has done some uh, switchgrass and different stuff, haven't they? Is that any of that been for biofuel production, or is that just for animal feed? Uh, that was just to see if they could grow switchgrass. Okay. And, and what sort? And the nuts edge took over. Oh, all right. So if we could figure out how to feed that <laughs> nut grass, we'd be in business. <laughs> No, I think they picked the wrong soil type. Well, it was kind of sure. a wet. Well, does nuts edge work well for I don't know. For, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, because switchgrass is a biodiesel yeah. um, component. But yeah, I, I don't know if nuts edge. That's what we need to do with water. Water figure out how to turn that into biogas. 
There you go. Just had that just had that conversation this week with somebody. I said, you know what? I may stay up at night thinking about killing water him, but that is an amazing plan. That's crazy. It is an amazing plan. If we ever figure out how to use that thing, bam, we're in, we're gonna be to the moon. That's what you should be thinking about, Max. What can I use water hemp for? Feed, bedding. I don't want to think about it any more than I do. <laughs> is it like? Can you put it in a drop and somebody will? It's the next. Like, it's like the new it's, hemp. It's the next CBD. Yeah, CB hemp. So yeah, there you go. There's the grass to gas movement that is working on improving ways of making biogas. Now let's move into that's corny for this week. And I think everyone, whether you're a farmer or not a farmer, finds these particular critters corny. Uh, and that is rats. You like that little shimmy bill I just, I just had twitchy. over here? Yeah, I got it. say twitchy, Matt. Not corny. Very twitchy. Very twitchy. Yes. This is great. It's from a Farm Journal uh, article and the the way they start it. So the headline, Rat Bomb, Farmer's Death of a Thousand Bites. Ah. And then it says, what sex craze eating machine gorges on a portion of your profit from every farm, ranch, dairy, hog barn, feed mill, and grade elevator on the planet? Yep. Guess rat. So, yeah, yep. no, it's that just great headline and great uh, first well, line. Well, in these, their economic impact is pretty great, too. Uh, and by great, I mean in size. So all told, rats rack up to twenty billion dollars in damages for the U.S. economy every year. Wow! You don't think about it, like you're like, how much damage can they really do? Then you think about how many there really are. Yeah, it makes sense. So just for perspective, agriculture is in Wisconsin's about eighty-eight billion dollars a year. So that's a quarter of that is, is rat damages. Now that's spread out over the U.S., but still. That's a lot of lot of feed, lot of a lot of structural, a lot damage. of cheddar. Like, well, cheddar. I, if Ooh. only they were just, if only <laughs> they eat cheese, cheese. Uh, maybe. That now, uh, <laughs> that's how we're gonna fix the cheese surplus. We're gonna <laughs> yeah. start, yeah, just let the rats, rats. go. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. I don't know. That whole thing just made it, just gave me the willies. Oh. We do know they like pizza because the New York pizza rat. Yeah, it was mm. a thing. So no, they, they talk about the rat czar, which is a New York City guy, and he he like literally gives talks on how to yeah, kill him. A, a rodentologist like, with twenty five years of experience, but he's more he's more like understanding like the biome. Yeah, how like, rats live in like not just. I mean, you can kill them, you can whack them with a shoe, and they're dead. But like how they think, big shoe. how they feel, how they. I don't, it's weird. It's they're not weird, but it's. This is a great when he's not on a rat lecture tour. Oh. He's typically found with a flashlight calling through a pitch black of an oh. abandoned building, crouching in a dim alley, or lowering a microphone into a burrow to record the incessant chatter of the rat. Why colony. would you want to hear that? <laughs> what what I found interesting about That's, this article was this guy's been bitten twice. Oops. Uh, <laughs> only only twice. But he says the uh Jaws deliver 7,000 pounds per square inch of crunch Crunch. (laughs) out of a rat. So almost four tons of bite force. So I I don't know what a shark is, but rats, that seems like a lot for such a small creature. They chew chew through anything, so I mean, it it makes sense. Like, I've never seen something thought, you know. Were you up in the hay mow that time when one of our brothers got bit? It was a mouse. 
No. We were like pulling back old straw bales and then bashing and the mice that ran out. And he picked one up by the tail and then it like curled up and then like just bit him. Do you, want, do you want to say which figure. brother? No, that's fine. I won't. Uh, had, uh, the, the other interesting part was after saying he got bit, um, he's had rats spit at him within a couple of inches. Oof. And he said they'll grunt and stomp their feet just like a buck in the woods. So they, uh, they so, do kind of give you warning, I guess. So, Matt, the Google machine. Hyenas, hyenas, lions, and tigers, oh my, generate 1,000 PSI. And a 2008 computer model, because apparently we don't want to find out for real what a great white shark will produce, but a computer model says 4,000 PSI for a, a great white. So there you go. So they're str- they're they're like almost two great white bites <laughs> at one time, right? Except they're, except they're inches. I mean, what's a... The mouth of a rat, yeah, a right. half, it, a half an inch. I mean, but still, that's still amazing that it's. It also says they um, they're capable of six bites per second. Whoa! It's so. like a it's like a tattoo needle. Just <laughs> <laughs> we had a pet rat for a while. Really? We, yeah, Charlie. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Charlie. Yeah, yeah oh, we yeah. took care of Charlie. Charlie. Oh, he... Charlie went to the big wheel of cheese in the sky. Yep, he was eating, and some of Charlie's family <laughs> eating too much of our. Uh, Corn seed. Yeah. yeah. Charlie. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. So, yeah, rats are definitely corny and sometimes creepy. And cheesy. And yeah. <laughs> it, ain't think, easy, it ain't easy being cheesy. Well, it's, it says in the article there, like, about how they'll chew literally anything. And, like, they'll get, can you imagine, like, chewing through the wires on the computer system of a tractor, how much that's cost oh. to repair it? Like, oh, yeah. it's yeah. no wonder how they get up to $20 billion in a year. Oh, yeah. Or chewing through the electronics on a pickup, pickup truck. truck? Yeah. A That's m- never happened to <laughs> us. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it has. <laughs> Charlie. So there you go. All right, let's move into our last segment for the day. You applied what? What did you do? All right, Maxwell, what do you got for us? All today? right, so we have uh, we have our, our products here. I'll read them out loud to you. Read aloud. Authority Assist, Broadax XC, Transform, and Sonic. See if you can find the pattern. And I know two right off the bat. Pick out the odd one out. I know two off the bat. Authority and Sonic. Yep. Are like the Authority brand. Sure. So Venture Zone. Sure. So now is it Transform or maybe Broadax? Maybe that's not even the thing. You don't know. Oh. Broadax sounds cool. Todd, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with transform. Is the, I don't know because I think that's an adjuvant, like transport or some of those. But that's my guess. That's what I'm rolling to. Yeah, transform. I'll, I'll stick with the crowd on this one. All right, you guys are right. Transform is salt. I'm gonna try and salt say this. Sulfoc, sulfoxaflor, sulfoxaflor, sulfoxaflor. And the rest are Solventure's own um, mixes. Okay, mixes. yeah. Mixes. They're not straight Solventure's own. But yes, Solventure's own family. Broadax has dual in it. Yes. So does Authority Assist, isn't that dual in? I think so. There's too many authorities. Yeah. One of them has dual. No, it's Imizeth up here. Oh, wow, pursuit. you really whipped that out good. That was good, Bill. You practiced that night? right? Pursuit. Damn. Yes. Yeah, Pursuit. 
I kind of want to just say, yeah, we we hit the weeds with some broad axe and <laughs> took care of them. Some broad axe. We we used the XC. Yeah, we hit the broad axe out and yeah. took care of things. If you what's if, the XC stand for? Like extra control. Don't know. Ex- but if you Google excellent control, if you Google broad axe XC, there's two like knights in knight, shining yeah. armor. You know, they got their axes. They're holding their axes and they're crossed to make an X. Ooh. In a field of soybeans. Because yeah. I see knights in shining armor in the soybean Standing fields. in my soybean fields all yep. the time. Oh, there is there is a rumor of a field not terribly far from here where there's a ghost of a Civil War soldier. Yes. that is. You guys have all heard this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know who told you. Yeah. yeah. That's like his main story. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a knight in shining armor, but it's close, right? Yep. Does that field have less weeds? Is this... Yeah, I do not. Like I a, do not. I do not believe. I scout the field next to it, and I'm hoping someday I'll see the same Civil War dude. Yeah, I've yet to see it. So I've scouted both it, both the fields you're referring to. I've has scouted it been multiple confirmed times. by more than one person. Yes, say, actually, oh, the farm okay. that he scouts it for. We're like, oh yeah, we see him all the time. Oh okay, so nice. That might, that's got to be an episode, though, right? Does he change like your radio dial or anything? Weird scouting. Yeah, like, does he uh, change your radio dial? Yeah, Sounds close. like a good one for Halloween next week. Ooh. Mountain scouting. Yeah. We'll go the to weird chicken. things you've seen in fields. Go to Chicken Alley Road and scout some fields. Dang, Chicken Alley Road. Yeah. You're pulling out all the stops. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Chicken Alley Road, though. It's just Chicken Alley, I guess, right? No, it's well, Chicken Alley Road. It is Road? Yeah, it's Chicken Alley Road. Road is Chicken Alley. Yeah. All right. Save it for next week. Save it for next week. All right. Haunted scouting. Haunted scouting. There you go. Good Halloween episode. Jeepers, creepers. Get out the Scooby-Doo gang and get the mystery machine rolling. <laughs> so thanks for being here, guys. That'll do it for today. Today we talked about soil sampling as a multi-tool. In our spotlight, we looked at new PowerMax 3 herbicide. Public Law 480 was our egg history minute and the use of egg surplus for food assistance, not only in the U.S., but across the world. Cool beans, that's corny, or cool beans was looking at growing grass for gas and biogas. And our that's corny was the damage that rats do to our buildings and crops alike. You applied what? We talked about some mixes to use on your field so thanks for listening and as always happy farming